Let me pray as we come to consider God's word to us today. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge your presence with us this day. May we be people who are shaped by your word, taught by your spirit, with your greater glory, our supreme concern, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, as Suzanne said, uh, today is my last Sunday with you at Red Door Church. It's been uh, a pleasure to be able to be with you, especially when we could all be together, but uh, nonetheless to be with you over these five Sundays. As I think about uh, uh, those days, I think about what we've been preaching about. We've covered a, a variety of topics, but actually mostly we've been preaching from material that we find in John's Gospel, the section from chapter 14, 15 and 16, and also from the early chapters of the Acts of the Apostles. We've thought about uh, how Jesus is ascended, the first human being to enter into, the, into heaven, but actually, even more dramatically, a human taken into the very heart of God himself. We've thought about the promise of Jesus that we see a little bit also in the passage we read today, of a promise of another one like him, a counsellor. And so we read the story of the coming of God's Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And then uh, following that, we uh, thought about the Trinity, a difficult doctrine, but a delicious truth, how God is one. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And then last week we were looking at John 15 and Jesus' comment that he was the true vine, using the language actually that points to the name of God. I am the true vine. And his call to remain in him and reflected on that. Uh, the passage that we uh, have been considering over these five weeks, chapters 14, 15 and 16 of John's Gospel, in fact are kind of like the last words of Jesus. He's preparing his disciples for what, we're going to, what is going to happen in the days ahead when he will be crucified, raised on the third day, ascending to heaven and pouring out the Spirit. Uh, last words are really important, but no more important than those last words of Jesus. Uh, a few years ago, um, my father was really sick. He lives in WA, well, lived in WA, and I would have the opportunity to go and visit him about once a year along with the rest of my family. Um, in Christian ministry, it's a bit difficult to uh, uh, 
to go anywhere at Easter, but after Easter there's a bit of a break, so I was able to fly over and visit my dad. And it was clear that he wasn't well. And there were some difficult conversations that we had to have together. It was too hard for him uh, to be cared for at home by my mother. It was beyond her capacity. But he hated the thought of going into care. He wanted to live at home where he knew and was comfortable. And I, uh, as the designated member of the family to have difficult conversations, had to have a difficult conversation with my dad. It was not easy. But he was, as, as we were driven out to the airport, he came along for the journey. And as I got my bags out of the car, he stepped out of the car. We hugged one another. And I said to him, Dad, I love you. And he repeated the same sentiment back to me. And I came back to Melbourne and then a couple of days later, I got the news that he had actually gone. He was a believer and had gone to be with the Lord. But I held on to those last words that he shared with me. And I thank God for uh, the wonderful gift of a loving father who was able to say that he loved me and that I was able to say that I loved him. People express last words in all kinds of ways. One way that we see people's last words is uh, on epitaphs, on tombs. I've collected a few to share with you. Uh, some uh, significant and some are a bit uh, humorous, like this one. Here lies the body of Samuel Proctor, who lived and died without a doctor. <laughs> I think some people could kind of resonate with those words in these COVID times. Or a dubious reference to one person frozen to death in winter. The winter snow congealed his form, but now we know our uncle's warm. Well, I don't know if <laughs> quite what they meant by that, but uh, <laughs> I hope they didn't mean that he was really hot. Or another one, here lies Bernard Lightfoot, who was accidentally killed in the 45th year of his age, erected by his grateful family. <laughs> sort of uh, uh, didn't quite run, did it? Or from an unhappy marriage. Within this grave to lie back to back my wife and I. When the last trump the air shall fill, if she gets up I'll just lie still. <laughs> um, and one of my personal favourites, I told you I was sick. So uh, last words can be humorous, but actually they can be very significant. And John 15 that we read this morning contains some of those last words. And what 
Jesus is preparing his disciples for is that not all will go easily, that they will actually find themselves in the face of opposition, that people will hate them. And these are words actually that we need to take seriously. If we think that as Christian people, we will always uh, uh, have an easy time and that everyone will go along with everything we say, we will be deluding ourselves. Uh, but before I go any further, I want to talk about the Trinitarian nature of the passage. Um, just observe these verses. In verse 21, uh, Jesus says, But they'll do these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. Can you see the reference to God as Father there? Or, the one who hates me also hates my Father. The unity of God, but the two persons of Christ and the Father. Now they have seen and hated both me and my Father, in verse 24, in the second part of that verse. Or uh, um, in the last verse that uh, I got Anne to read, because we almost missed it, when the counsellor comes, the one I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Uh, I, I said when we were talking on Trinity Sunday how uh, it, you just see the idea of the Trinity, or not the, not the language, not the word the Trinity, but the idea of the Trinity just uh, fills all of this section of John's Gospel from uh, chapter 14, 15 and 16. And this is an example of this. But the key point that Jesus is making in this section to his disciples and through them to us is that we can expect to be hated by the world. If we, the church are truly doing the work that is commissioned by Christ, doing his works in his way, we can expect to be treated like he was treated. And uh, uh, Jesus underlines that truth when he says, a servant is not greater than his master. Don't be surprised if the world is in opposition to the people of God. And now, I need to say a little bit about the way the word world is used in John's Gospel. Uh, generally speaking, is talked about as the arena where God needs to break through and realign things. God needs to bring his salvation into the world. The world has gone their own way, away from him. And he is coming into the world 
that people might know him and receive the gift of eternal life. The world is not hated by God. John says in that most memorable verse in chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. The world is opposed to God, but God is for the world. He loves them, but it doesn't mean that he lets them do whatever they like. He actually will hold the world to account. And as Christians, like our master, we find ourselves in a world that doesn't get us, doesn't get our message, doesn't get our saviour. And so they want to live in their own way. Don't be surprised if the world hates you, if you find opposition when you try to be true to Christ and his standards of morality, in his truth of the sovereignty of God. Listen again to the words that Jesus spoke. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word that I spoke to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. The world will hate us. Those who are not of God will oppose us. And that's what happens in that story in Acts chapter 3 and 4. Peter and John go to the temple. They are used by God and in the power of God, a, a, a lame person is healed and turns to go into the temple with Peter and John they get the opportunity because a great crowd gathers in response to this healing and they speak the gospel. They speak the gospel, actually, Luke tells us, empowered by God's spirit. It's a fulfilment of exactly what uh, they have been promised in these last words of Jesus. But not everyone gets on board with the message, but some do. In fact, 5,000 people, we're told, 5,000 men probably, and all their families have actually come to Christian faith, joined themselves up as followers of Jesus. Preaching the gospel can lead to persecution and opposition. 
and the leaders of the Jewish authorities arrest Peter and John and as they are brought to account before the uh, leadership, the high priests and the high priest family, what do Peter and John do? These men who not that long before were hiding away, running away when their Lord was taken to be crucified. And even in the days that followed, locking the door because they were fearful of the Jews. And now they find themselves standing before the officials of the highest authority, religious and political. And empowered by the Spirit, they give witness to what they know. It's not their power that healed this person. You can see he's healed. But it was Jesus. The same Jesus that you opposed. The same Jesus who even though Pilate wanted to release him, you insisted that he be crucified. And he says, there's no other name by which people can be saved. Now that's not a popular message in today's age, but it's the truth. Only Jesus is God who has become a human being, revealed God to us, taken to the cross, and risen from the dead, who has won our salvation. It's only in his name that we can be reconciled to the Father. Now, Jesus goes on in these last words, and he's encouraging them to know that although he's going away, it's going to be a good thing for them. Because he's going to send another just like himself, but one who can be with them always and everywhere. Let's read again what he said. When the counsellor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit equips the message of God's people. Primarily, what the Spirit is doing is not glorifying the agent of the Spirit, but rather pointing to Jesus. The Spirit would get on board with Red Door's tagline, it's all about Jesus. The Spirit thinks that his business is to testify to Jesus, to point to Jesus, and to equip God's people to do that. Now, you and I haven't been with Jesus from the beginning, but Jesus has been 
with you by his spirit since the time you opened your life to him and invited him to come into your life. I want to tell you about Mary. This is not the Mary of the Bible. This is a rather unknown Christian from one of the churches where I worked. Mary was a faithful believer, but she wasn't the brightest or the most intellectual member of our congregation. She had quite a significant low IQ. But the Spirit would at times speak to Mary. And in following the prompting of the Spirit, she tried to be obedient. One day, Mary just had a strong sense from God's Spirit that she should go to the church. It wasn't a Sunday. There was no Bible study on at the church, no important meeting that she should attend. But she couldn't shake off this sense that God, by his Spirit, was telling her, go to the church. So she went. And when she got there, she found smoke coming out from under the door of the church. Some locals had been lighting pieces of paper and shoving them under the door and it had set fire to the carpet. Um, because Mary went to the church, uh, the fire was able to be put out and there was a little bit of a burnt carpet patch that could be uh, repaired, but the church itself did not burn down. Uh, Mary uh, tried to find me to tell me about this and uh, get some help with uh, getting the fire out. Um, I lived in a house that was adjacent to the church, but I wasn't at home. So she went to the neighbour across the road to tell her what had happened and to see if she knew where I might be. The neighbour didn't know, but did know of my wife Jill and I. We'd actually been trying to share the gospel with her and trying to encourage her, um, particularly when she, uh, her young baby had died, a cot death situation and we'd sat with her and ministered to her and tried to look for ways of showing the love of God and to share the gospel. Mary uh, talked to our across the road neighbour and said uh, do you believe that God told me to come to church today to put out this fire? And across the neighbour thought about it and she said yeah I think I believe that. She said Mary said, then you should come to church. And so she did and became a Christian. Uh, that was the spirit working in Mary, a very ordinary believer, helping her. Now, it wasn't a classical presentation of the gospel message that Mary gave, but it was effective and it had the fruit of something to coming to faith in Christ. The Spirit, the Counselor, when he comes, the one sent by the Father, he will testify about me.
says Jesus. And you too will testify about me. Well, today we've been thinking about uh, the last words of Jesus and the significance of the things that he's saying. I'm wondering if you trust those words as words not just for the ancient church, but as words for you today. Do you need to know the empowering of God's Spirit, the other counsellor promised by Jesus? Do you believe that there is no other name by which human beings can be saved but only by Jesus? If so, and you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, this would be a good day to do that. And I'll give an opportunity and give you some words to pray that you might invite Jesus into your life. But maybe you have done that a long time ago and you've gone a bit cool on the whole deal. Maybe you need the refreshment of God's Spirit and the reminder that God comes to us and empowers us to be his people gives us opportunities to witness to Jesus empowered by the very presence of God working in us. If you'd like to renew your commitment to Christ, I'll give you the chance to do that today too. So as we come and have considered the work of God as we've read through sections from John 14 and 15 and 16, we know that Jesus knew he was hoeing to the cross, knew that he would die and rise again, knew that he would return to his true place at the Father's side, and that he would with the Father, send the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would hear the prayer now of any who want to put their trust in you and invite Christ into their life. If you're one of those people, The only prayer you need to pray is, Jesus, please come into my life. God wants to do that. He wants to answer that prayer. He wants to be with you. He wants to uh, welcome you truly home. He wants to invite you out of the world into his world. So if you're willing to say yes to Jesus, just under your breath or out aloud, say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. And if 
you need to come back to Jesus. The same prayer works. If you need to be enabled by his spirit, we pray, Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. Do your work of witnessing in the world and help us to be instruments of that work. Give us the right words to speak in the right occasion. Sharing the things that God has done for us. Maybe like Mary saying, do you believe this? Come to church. Or maybe engaging with people about the great works of Jesus and of Jesus through his people, Peter and John, healing a lame man. The frightened disciples coming to be great proclaimers of the truth in the face of great enemies and opposition. Come Holy Spirit and fill your people, fill your church. Help us to be true to the one who is our Lord. Help us not to be afraid that we might experience opposition and hatred from the world because we know that those who follow Jesus will experience the hatred of the world because we are not of the world. We're a challenge to the prevailing views. But we know that when this happens, these things are happening on account of the name Jesus. And opposition is merely words of acknowledgement that people don't know God, the one who sent Jesus. So Lord God, help us to be true, authentic followers of Jesus, enabled to do his work in his ways, not afraid of the opposition that might come. Lord, help us to speak words that proclaim the wonderful doctrine of the Trinity when people don't get that. Help us to speak of the cross, of the resurrection, of your work in our lives. In Acts chapter 4, Peter, filled by the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. By him this man is standing here before you, healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by the you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. If you've prayed one of those prayers today, know that God has heard your prayer and answered. If you've invited Jesus into your life, he's not under COVID restriction. He can come to your place. He come to the deepest and most significant parts of your being. He can fill you with his presence through his spirit. Thank you, Lord. And we pray these things with thankful hearts for all that you do and for the fact that you hear our prayers. Amen.